RPG Academy presents... Fifth edition actual play. Starring Michael as Arami Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your game master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com. And that's all that I remember. Uh, Army will look down at her now empty mug and look over and see that Dane and Cassandra are either empty or close to it. Uh, so I'll get up and go over to the to the bar to get us another round for the rest of the night. Cassandra. Are we ever going to tell her what happened? Definitely not now, and I i don't know if we ever really can. Yeah, I, I guess there's no easy way to, to say it. It, it. it would just be out there. That's It's going gonna, gonna to change everything she's ever thought. So at, as you guys are talking, RMA comes back carrying three more mugs of ale. Hey, Armay! Hey. Thanks. Brought back the good stuff. All right. What were you guys just talking about? You didn't start a new story without me. Oh, the uh, the, the good old days, the the good new days. You know, days that are good. The general sorts of good dayful things that uh, help me out here. Little. No day like today. Am I right? Cheers. Yep. Yep. Every day is another day's tomorrow. And I hold up my tankard for a cheers for everyone. Cheers. Hip, hip, hooray. I'll do that sort of awkward left-handed high five his tankard. Because I just don't really get, you know, what's going on. Speaking of good days, you guys remember that good day that I convinced you to go out deep sea fishing for the weekend? On that uh, big old boat of Captain Curmudgeon's that he just left lying on the dock for a few weeks? What? No! No, no, no. That was a horrible day. It was stormy. It was not good weather. There was no wind. We had a row the whole time. And the guy was unconscious in the cabin the whole time. You knocked him out. I think it was the drink that knocked him out. Uh, I mean, I had to hit him with the no, drink. No, no, no. But he fell right no, unconscious. No, no. The welt on his forehead from the pommel of your dagger is what knocked him out. But it's it's not my hand, fault that I was holding the dagger and the drink in the same hand. Look, you know, I, look, we're, we're 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 splitting small differences. I think it was a marvelous time. It was the best fishing trip I've ever had. It was the only time I've ever been fishing, and I got treasure out of it. And those horrifyingly fascinating creatures that chased us off that island—that was fun for you too. Oh, I guess I'd sort of gotten that part. And we didn't fish once. There was no there was no poles. There was no tackle. There was no net. And our treasure keeps disappearing. Yeah, okay. Look, you, you guys are so harsh on this. The thing about treasure is, it's not having the treasure. It's finding the treasure that's great. L- let me tell you why this was such a good day. Let me, let me just lay it out for you. All right, so as you guys are sitting there with your round, 
Dane starts to remind you all of this fantastic adventure. Uh, this was a few months after the last adventure. Everyone had recovered. Uh, there was no problem. Uh, the quakes had subsided. Life went on as normal. So one day, Dane was walking along, and he noticed that there was an unattended boat at the docks. Now, this was not just a simple fishing boat. Neither was it a large merchant ship. This was something of a, for lack of a better term, a, a pleasure yacht. It was a very nice boat. Uh, it was in great condition. Uh, it was probably something that a, a more wealthy person owned. Boy, this boat's just sitting here. I'm so bored. We could go fishing. I wonder how I could con into going fishing with me. I need to pick someone who knows how. The professor probably knows how to think things like that. And then I need to pick some sort of gullible rube who can walk first into any sort of sea-based danger. I know just the people. So with that wonderful expedition out of the way, we smash cut to Dane standing there with Cassander and Arami next to him. Whoa, 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 whoa. This boat? This boat is way too nice. They're just lending it to you? I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's a new faith-based lend-lease program that the church is spearheading it. It's to get more utilization for the good of the people out of these high-quality ships that are just lying here, underutilized. It's that, That's really why Aramis here, is, is to make sure that, that this is used for the good of every soul on the island. By taking us fishing. I'm here because you said, Army, come here. Well, yeah, and this is why I said come here. Because we have to test the legality of our new contractual structure for subly... Get on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> and I will... I just I just shake my head and, and just, like, walk, uh, walk down the gangplank and onto the boat. You, you guys will see. Fishing's great, I bet. <laughs> I will get on the boat. Okay, so the three of you get onto this boat. And you head off into the waves. Luckily, it is a very nice day. Uh, the sun is shining. There are no storms on the horizons. But the boat is a little bit bigger than the three of you can really handle. So you start floundering a little bit. You try to raise the sail. It doesn't quite work. You try to get some of the oars out. They kind of get stuck halfway out. Things are just going badly. Uh, you are a little ways away from the island before all these problems occur. So you're out in the middle of the ocean. You're not about to sink. You're not about to capsize. You're just floundering. You're not really getting anywhere. Cassander, as this is all happening, you're kind of leaning on the rail, your head in your hands. You're just, uh, what, what did Dane get us into this time? When you notice very clearly there's an island in front of you. It's not the island you came from. There should not be an island here at all. You have lived on the Reforged Isles for long enough to know the geography of the ocean and the other islands around you. 
There has never been an island here before. So I will exclaim uh, to myself and anyone who is listening, by Kovar's tusks! I've never seen that island before! Kovar doesn't have tusks. Or does he? Dun, dun, dun. Roll off a religion. The highest roller gets to decide if Kovar, in fact, has tusks. Well, I like to think that either he's just completely wrong, or maybe he actually knows something I don't know. So that kind of works out either way, I guess. Kovar, ancient Kovar, was an elephant god. We just assumed he was a dwarf later. Well, I was I was just thinking he had one, one of those, like, kabuki masks that had tusks. I like it. I like it. Anyway, moving on. That was what I exclaimed, and I whistled to Shrike, and I send him out to check it out, and I turn to you guys and go, uh, first of all, there's no fishing tackle on this boat. Yes, so, so could use a little more planning. I'll, I'll agree. Second of all, that island I've never seen before. Hey, maybe we're lost. Let's go ask for directions. Okay, so you you see this island. You're trying to figure out how to get over there. You still can't really steer the ship too well. However, the ocean current seems to be taking the boat that direction anyway. So after, so after about 15, 20 minutes, the boat actually runs aground on the beach of this island. Uh, this is a very tropical island island reforged isles is a little bit more temperate uh, there, there are some smaller forest areas on your home island but it, it's it, it's more deciduous uh, this island is is covered with uh, an actual hot jungle so th- there's palm trees there's very dense brush uh, this is very strange to all of you this is very strange to all of us is the boat all uh, all ready to, to have us disembark now, or are we just coming up and seeing this now? Well, we, we kind of rammed it up on the shore here. I, I, I don't think it's going anywhere for at least a little while. If, 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 if we can figure out how the anchor works, we can maybe just drop it on the beach that we're shoaled up on, I, I guess. I, I, I gotta admit, I don't really know how boats work. I was gonna uh, tie my uh, hair back with the bandana that I have and uh, say, all right, we need some supplies. We gotta We gotta check this out. Maybe there's something in the cabin. Who the hell is that? Oh, uh, that, that, that's the captain. He, he, he lent us the boat. Oh, oh, he, oh, he lent us the boat? Yeah. With his, with his bludgeoned forehead? He lent us the boat? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, really quite charming. I'm sure you'll find out if we wait around long enough. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to ask him how we work the anchor. I think we can figure out on our own. Is he gagged? Look. You know, the, the, some bottles were thrown, some some socks were shoved. I don't know what happened. Let's let let's let's go have a nice day on the beach. We're gonna lay out. We're gonna get some sun. We're gonna find some drinks with little umbrellas in them. It's gonna be a great time. It's gonna be such a good time. You'll forget there's an unconscious man in the cabin of this boat. At this point, I'm gonna turn on my heel and walk onto the beach. Hey, nice heels. I follow your heels onto the beach. <laughs> Michael, what's RMA doing? <laughs> So I like to think that uh, Army has been trying to fish this entire time. And there's this net that I've been trying to untangle since we left. And I finally get it untangled right as we're about to land. So I throw it overboard and it just lands on the beach. <laughs> oh, poor Army. 
Well, Aramia is not successful in her fishing attempts. So you guys jump off the boat. The sand is warm. The jungle is pretty dense, but you can actually see some paths have been cut into it. You've got three or four different ways you can go if you want to start uh, exploring the jungle and adventuring a little bit. Uh, nose goes. Aramy, which way should we go? Let, 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 let Kovar and Ingvar guide us today, Aramy. Okay, so I'm going to play like a nursery game that we would learn in you know grade temples, like a Invar Kovar Mighty Mo situation, and that will uh, determine the path, which will eventually be the middle one. It's Kovar Invar Fernico Pewter Tumbaga Electrum Chromanol Ferronickel Chromium <laughs> Corinthian Bronze. That way. <laughs> wow. Yep. That was exactly That's it. it. That's the one. Alrighty, so with the decision made, <laughs> that's my favorite nursery rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so with uh, with the decision made, Arami leads the way down the jungle path. The jungle is thick, but it's not so, so thick that you cannot move through it. Uh, you guys have not really been in an environment like this before, so you're walking slowly, you're taking your time, you you really are exploring. You're seeing different types of plants and animals that you have not encountered before. So Cassander is stopping every 30 seconds to try to figure something out, try to get a sample, and then Dane and Arami are kind of grabbing him and pulling him down the path a little bit. The path you're on winds back and forth through the jungle and eventually opens up into a clearing. Uh, You can see that in this clearing are a few dozen very small huts. These huts are built out of wood, branches, and leaves of this jungle. They're all very small, not miniature but clearly built for someone shorter than a dwarf Uh, they appear to be arranged in a little bit of a semicircle around uh, a large fire pit Uh, and as you guys are looking around you realize that it's very very quiet in this area you can still hear the animals of the jungle but there's no noise coming from these huts. There's no bodies or or living creatures moving around. Is there a fire in the fire pit, or is it just like cold ash? There are remnants of a fire, but there's not a fire burning now. Okay, I'll uh, take my cudgel out and, you know, heft it up, uh, ready to strike and walk further into the clearing. Uh, Why don't you all give me some perception checks as you are entering this clearing? I would like to say that as they were pulling me away from uh, grabbing leaves, it was very reminiscent of the scene from Jurassic Park with Ellie Sattler holding the extinct leaves. Sure, I'll give you that. Okay, yeah, I have a great perception. I rolled a four. I got eight plus two is ten to ignore those stupid leaves. I got a zero. Good. Good. Perfect. 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 So... (laughs) How many ones can you roll? 
I'm actually folding leaves and putting them in different pouches. Like, that's what my four is. You're using like, them to cover Aramis' eyes. <sighs> like, here, let me pile these on your face. Oh. <laughs> you know what Kovar says? Blindness leads to happiness. <laughs> okay, so Cassander is investigating one of the huts, which doesn't have anyone inside of it, but he's... Uh, he's stooping over to, to to check it out and see what's going on. Arami is looking at that empty, cold fire pit. So she is kind of poking around in it and seeing what's happening. Dane, you are kind of walking the circuit around the outside perimeter of this clearing. You're trying to find something of riches you're trying to see where the next path might go you're just out and about looking for something of value so what you what none of you notices is that from the jungle itself not from the path but from the jungle itself there is a rustling in the underbrush and a group of small creatures is emerging they, they pour out into this clearing, and there is a pause. They, they were actually carrying on in a strange language that you do not recognize. So the noise they're making draws all of your attention, and you suddenly see them in the clearing. And then they stop, because they see you. So, so there's this moment of silence when you all are looking at each other. And then they suddenly let out a shriek. And they rush to attack you. Oh. So you, you are being swarmed by these creatures. They are uh, waist height or smaller, even to the dwarves. They are an odd greenish color, almost like a sickly greenish color. They have animal pelts draped across their bodies. They are carrying weapons made of bone. And uh, you can see that they have uh, very big mouths full of gnashing teeth. So Army would be a little startled by this scream, and I would like pretty much involuntarily take a couple steps back away from it, uh, which puts me standing like right inside the edge of this uh, fire pit. Luckily, it is not burning, so you are just standing in ash. And at this point, you realize that it's not just ash, but there are actually bones covering this fire pit. So you are standing in that, and several of these little creatures are rushing towards you. Each of you has five or six of these little things trying to attack you right now. I would, in fascinated um, attendance, I would brandish my uh, my spear and kind of swing it in arcs and, and like... Uh, to keep them back but at the same time saying to myself I really wish I had an extra set of arms I could draw these things with okay uh, give me an attack roll for Cassandra hey okay so I rolled a 12 okay so you are successfully able to keep them at bay for the moment uh, Scott what is Dane doing right now uh, so uh, if, if they're actually trying to bite and kick and eat and burn us I, I think uh, we're, we're, we're from the pushing them over part to the stabbing them to death while backing up part. So I'm going to stab them to death while backing up. I, uh, I'll 
use my uh, bonus action to do a disengage, but before I disengage, I'll draw my rapier and uh, stab at one of them. I got a 13 plus 4 is 17 on the die. Okay, absolutely. So you can uh, swipe your rapier through the air a couple times, uh, and then as that kind of shocks them a little bit, you can catch one of them unawares and stab the poor creature right through the chest. Oh, good. Does nine points of damage, stab it through the chest enough that it collapses in a big dead heap? Yes, it does. Do, do, do they now seem less angry and like they might worship me as a god for having steel, or more angry like I just killed one of their elders? They're definitely a little bit scared of you. But not in a good way, huh? But not in a good way, no. Oh. Michael, what is Army doing? Okay, so Army, I've taken a couple steps back and I'm now in this in the outer ring of the fire pit and it's cold so it's not really affecting me and i just like to think that you know i'm probably the biggest like muscular wise uh one of the entire group out of all three of us so i like to think that they're very hesitantly approaching me uh you know sort of fanned out almost like in a semicircle, and each one is hoping another one will go forward first uh and then you know finally they get close enough and i'm just going to like reach out and just Almost like tap one on the head with my cousin. Uh, you know, more like just like, you know, bad, bad. But I like to think that, you know, because I hit a lot of people. Like, you know, my day job involves hitting a lot of people when they don't pay their tithes to the temple. So I don't really expect to do a lot of damage. This is just like a, hey, back off. But I'm going to imagine that if I do succeed in hitting, that I'm going to turn this, whatever it is, into pudding. Because I do a ton of damage with my cudgel. That is very true. So why don't you give me an attack roll? Okay, yeah, that's like a really high number. Uh, so that will be 11 points of damage. Okay, so yes, Arami gives what is, in her mind, a gentle thump. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, caves in the head of this small thing, turning it into pudding. Now that definitely shocks the creatures that are around her. So they all pull back a little bit, and they make some sort of noise that seems to convey fear or warning to the other creatures. So the ones that are around Dane and Cassandra actually take a couple steps back and pause for a moment. So jumping back over to Cassandra, what is he doing? Is there anything that Cassandra thinks that he could uh, levitate with Mage Hand and perhaps drop into a group of them to spook them away. I got a dead body over here. Absolutely. There are dead bodies. Uh, there are some small woven baskets full of stuff. You don't know what's in them. You haven't looked in them yet. How do we feel about one of the smallish huts? Uh, that might be a stretch. Okay, then I'll do the bodies. Okay. Then I'll, then I'll grab up one of the bodies that um, Army has putting eyes, and I will uh, mage hand it into a crowd of them and kind of drop it. Can I uh, either aid another or get a deception check to uh, sort of throw my voice and go, Ooh, ooh, I am undead and very disappointed in you. Sure. Yay, we're working as a team. Okay, so there is no problem uh, casting this spell and using Mage Hand to do what you're talking about, Matt. How about, though, you give me a dexterity check 
just to get it in the direction you are describing. And then, Scott, if you want to throw a either deception or performance. I'm picking deception. I, I would assume so. Legitimate critical 20. Boom. Love it. I got a 16 on the die plus my 6 in deception means uh, 22. Wonderful. So this ruse gets pulled off amazingly well and it shocks these creatures they all start running away from you guys back into the jungle and as they run a couple of them actually drop some small packs they were carrying and uh, Dane you see in these packs something shiny and glittery ooh I uh, jump for the treasure. You see that these these packs are full of precious gems, gold and silver, and these creatures are running away from you in a stream at this point, back into the jungle, almost in a straight line. You you realize now that all of them are carrying a pack like this. Uh, so so guys, n- new plan. Uh, instead of running, wh- why don't we chase these little treasure goblins into the mysterious creepy woods how about that i i think it'll be a lot of fun i mean uh they 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 need to be spiritually uplifted kovar and ingvar has not reached their poor uh souls and uh, i think we can hasten that by making them meet kovar and ingvar in person by killing them and taking their stuff so uh what what do you guys say we we troop into the mysterious creepy woods after these little treasure goblins huh huh Shouldn't we try to talk to them first? Uh, okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll consider talking with them. Plan B, and and we'll see how far we get with Plan A, which is take their stuff. And Plan C, kill them all. Sound good? But we're going to talk to them first, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll talk to them while while using Ingvar's steel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you communicate with Morse code, really. It, you just. You know, bludgeoning for short and piercing for long. You you just through the poetry of Invar's uh Invar's co- uh combat, we will we will show them the way. We will purify their bodies in the forges of blood. So with that rousing speech of persuasion, the three of you plunge into the woods, following these small creatures. They're definitely running quickly, and they are definitely smaller than the underbrush so they're able to dash through it without any problems however they're very scared of you so they're also leaving a very clear trail so you guys are able to slash your way through the trees and the underbrush and follow them you eventually get to a small cave and you see that all of these creatures have run into the cave and are no longer in sight. Army will look to Dane. Hmm. That cave could be where they found all these treasures. Let's go inside and talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps you should show them a bit of Kovar's light. Yes. Definitely. We, uh, we, we turn on our trusty lantern for those of us who don't have dark vision and then head into the cave. Okay, so the cave is not completely dark. Oh, perfect. No lights. 
it is dim, so it's still hard to see, but, but there are uh, holes in the cave wall, and the ceiling is not completely solid. This, this is a cave that has been eroded away from rain and wind over the years. So you're able to, to make your way in pretty easily, uh, especially with the lantern. The entryway is pretty small. It was bigger than the small creatures, but it's smaller than you three. So you each have to kind of wiggle your way in. When you get into the main area, you immediately see treasure. We, we are talking about a dragon's hoard piles and piles of gold, gems, pieces of art, statues carved from pure ivory. Anything and everything you can imagine is here just laying around in piles. You do not see any of these small creatures, but you hear their chittering, strange language kind of fading away. So, so you think they're deeper in the cave, but you're totally distracted by all of this treasure to figure out what's happening. Okay, Army will start muttering a prayer under her breath to both Invar and Kovar. Uh, clearly, in my mind, this uh, treasure was put before us so that we could collect it and take it back to the temple in their honor. I, I say, yes, of course. We need to take all of it back as I Scrooge McDuck swim my way through it. I was going to say, Arme probably has a, a, a sacred uh, satchel that she needs to put, uh, you know, tithes and money for the church in. So she probably takes that out and starts filling it. So Arme is, you know, picking through uh, the piles looking for some choice pieces uh, for gifts to give to the temple. And I'm, I, take a, I take a bit of wealth, but I'm mostly looking for uh, things of, uh, of culture and... Uh, and uh, things that were made by their hands. Gotcha. Uh, Scott, I'm imagining that Dane is just stuffing anything he can grab into every pocket he possibly has. It's just This is like Smee at the end of Hook. He's just filling his shirt and pants with treasure. Yeah, well, I've... I've... I think I figured out pretty early in this process that, that mere pockets won't do it. So um, if, if I was not able to pick up whole of those little backpacks as, as we went along the trail. And I, and I, you know, maybe got a couple, but, uh, at this point I, I find either a gigantic burlap sack that I keep for just such an occasion with a, a giant gold coin sign on the front or a, um, you know, if they have a straw hut, I'll just pick it up and turn it upside down and fill it full to the top brimming. So I have, I have maybe a single efficient container that's so heavily laden that I'm basically dragging it. Cool. Not a problem at all. So you guys are all walking about this large cave, grabbing things, exploring things. You suddenly hear a rumble. Now, this is not an earthquake. You've all felt quakes before. I quickly look up in case there's a statue about to fall on me. (laughs) There is no statue falling on Arami. Uh, This is a rumble of a thing walking towards you. You can feel the ground shaking. You're looking about. You don't know exactly what's happening. From the opposite end of the cave, not the one you entered, the piles of treasure suddenly start to shake and then get shoved as if something is coming from behind them. 
and something like you have never seen is standing there. It looks like one of those small little creatures, but it is 40 feet tall, almost hitting the roof of this cave. It is that same sickening green color, but it is just massive. It's got thick trunk legs, a bulbous, blubbery body. Its arms are almost down to the ground. They are so long. It's covered in the small mouths full of gnashing teeth that you saw on those little creatures. These mouths are everywhere on it. So on its legs, on its torso, on its arms, you see these mouths and they are just constantly going and gnashing as if these things are are trying to chomp their way out of it. Its head is large and horned. It's got a huge mouth with tusks hanging out of it. There's rotting flesh falling from its mouth. Its massive eyes are blood red. They're locked on the three of you. And it lets out a bellow. Shakes the entire cave. Uh, and a gold brick drops from my pants, <laughs> clanks straight on the ground. She did it. I drop my uh, spear and take up my notebook and I just start scribbling things. Michael, how does Army react? I like to think that Army's gaze falls to the creature's feet first. And then just sort of like very slowly, my eyes travel upwards up the entire length of this monster all the way up to its hideous face. And then I will um, draw my cudgel and I will whisper another prayer to both Invar and Kovar. Uh, Clearly, this is part of the test. No treasure is to be gifted. It must be earned. That's one of the tenets of our faith. So I kind of expected something like this to happen. Okay, if that's how we're going to do this. The very next thing that happens... <laughs> Smash cut, army's dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> Remember how we dragged you unconscious from that? <laughs> yes, Again? you hollow out my dead body and use it to carry treasure to the beach. She's like, I fall asleep a lot, guys. <laughs> there was just enough of that treasure to have you brought back to life. <laughs> yeah, clearly, all this gold was for a resurrection spell. Okay, so the next thing that happens after the three of you react to this massive monstrous creature in front of you it reaches down one of its hands dips it into the treasure pile and comes up with something that looks like a a chalice but it's a chalice that is five feet tall two feet around some sort of glimmering stone almost like amethyst uh, but it's it's huge, it's solid. This creature flings it across the room, smashing it into the wall behind the three of you where the entrance was, like knocking a giant hole in the wall and causing the ceiling to actually shake and parts of it to start falling down onto the ground around you. Looking up for a statue to fall? There is no statue. After it has has thrown this thing, it actually starts to 
run forward towards you. So, uh, Dane, what is Dane going to do? Um, okay. Uh, I, I think army, it seems is going to fight whether I like it or not. And so I will heroically attempt to stand my ground with her. Uh, cause you know, we, we, we have fun, but we also do good things. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll draw my rapier and, uh, it counts as having acted, so I won't get sneak attack against it, right? Correct. Uh, are there any places in the room that would be obscured from it? I can go hide and then stab it? Oh, sure, absolutely. I, I mean, he's knocked a giant hole in the wall, but there are still mountains of treasure in this cave. Oh, and I'm already waist deep in Scrooge McDucking. I uh, jump into the treasure a little bit, use a bonus action to hide. I get a 12 plus 6 is 18. Okay. And then I pop up a little ways uh, uh, back from that and use my short bow. That's a five plus four is nine to hit. I bet doesn't hit. You dive into the treasure and and come out at a an advantageous spot. Uh, you fire off your, your short bow, but the arrow, it hits, it sticks, but it's like the flesh is so blubbery that it just kind of absorbs it. Ew. Cassander, what are you doing? I definitely saw the arrow go off and and kind of blubber. Yes. Okay, then I'm probably going to... I'm going to brandish my spear and probably attack with that. Yeah, okay. Um, 12? So you're trying to stab at it from where you are with your spear? Yeah, I was going to try to move towards a slightly protected angle, but still towards it and try to kind of... Okay, so like like I said a minute ago, th- this thing is big and it's kind of yeah. hunched over and its arms are almost all the way to the ground. Right. So when you shift a little bit strategically, you're actually shifting towards one of his massive arms that's resting down on the ground. So he's kind of in a, a tripod stand almost. Gotcha. So you, you thrust your spear at his his arm. One of the mouths actually snaps open and grabs the spear tip as you're trying to stab his flesh. And, and there's a little bit of a tug of war. Like, you're trying to pull the spear back so you can try to stab him again, but the mouth is holding onto it and actually pulls the spear away from you for a second. So you're, you're going back and forth, and, and finally you, you twist it away. You have your spear, but you did not connect with him in, in any damaging way. Army, what are you doing? All right, so Army's going to take uh, the cudgel, and I'm going to start slamming it into my chest kind of hard, um, almost like a, like a war cry, just sort of pounding my own chest and trying to rile myself up and, and maybe even enrage this creature. And then I'm going to start running just full tilt straight at it, drop down and slide uh, kind of underneath the creature. And as I do that, I'm going to turn my cudgel upward so that the sh- kind of like the pointy end is up and the cudgel end is down. And I'm trying to get it to step on it like a rusty nail. Sure. Okay. Uh, so you're basically trying to get your cudgel under its foot. Correct. In a very cool way. Yeah, exactly. Go for it. Uh, give me an attack roll. Since we've changed scenes, do I have my token back? 
Yes, you do. Woohoo! Uh, give me a give me a reason to use it, and you can roll inspiration. You can roll both of them the way it's supposed to be, or you can save it for a reroll, whatever you want. Well, I'm I'm going to use it for a reroll. I didn't roll very well. Okay. All right, I'm going to tie it to my nothing can shake my optimistic attitude uh, because that's, you know, there's no way that Kovar and Invar would put us in this situation if we could not possibly win. So that means that we we must win. Like It's predetermined that we will win this battle. Sure, that makes sense. Or not, no, no, uh, no, we actually do not have to win this battle, apparently. Okay, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, RMA slid towards the the creature, and she was trying to cleverly attack it with her cudgel. But the thing is just not moving; it's it's not picking up its feet. So Army just kind of bounces off one of its legs. It was a great slide. There's just no space underneath, so she just bounces off a leg and and uh, skids off to the side into some of the piles of gold coins. Okay, so this creature doesn't even react to what the three of you just attempted. Uh, He's going to take one of its massive arms and just swipe it across the ground in the treasure, causing all of the treasure to throw up into the air, kind of attacking you with a cloud of debris and rocks and random treasure. So coins and gems and all this stuff is showering towards all of you right now. Uh, why don't each of you give me a dexterity saving throw to get out of the way? But it's not a nice shower. It's kind of like in an aggressive, like, kill you type of way. It's not a golden shower like some of us enjoy. No, no, not at all. Like, remember when you were a kid and you're playing in the pool and you would just swing your arms around to make giant splashes? It's like that, only deadly. Gotcha. Uh, I rolled a 17. I rolled a 3. I also got a 17 with a plus 1, so an 18. Okay, so Cassander and Arami are able to dodge out of the way. Dane, unfortunately... I I open my bag to catch all the treasure that was floating at me. (laughs) And it just knocks you on the ground. Um, You are going to take... Five points of damage from falling. Ouch. And we will go back to Cassander. What are you... Uh, no, I'm sorry. We'll go back to Dane. What are you doing, Dane? Okay. I have precisely two hit points left. And I'm thinking that survival is the uh, treasure of the day. That's that's really what's going to make me feel the most rewarded. So um, I I will stand up. Gold tinkling down from me, my extremely heavy bag forgotten behind me, and loudly announce that that Iron 17-1 states quite clearly that when the going gets darkest, sometimes light can be found in the most surprising of places. And I suggest we find it back on the ship. Through that big hole in the wall that clearly has light pouring through it, that seems like it's it's just beckoning us from, from Kovar and Invar. It's a symbol, and we need to follow it back to the ship and off of this creepy island. And I jump out of the pile of treasure and go for the hole. All right, so Dane, you are able to run away. As you are running, you're dashing through the debris that is still kind of falling through the air. 
you run past your friends, trusting that they are immediately behind you. You hear the roaring of this creature, but something catches your attention right out of the corner of your eye, and you feel drawn to it. You reach out your hand almost instinctually, and you, you sweep it up as you're running. And, and you run out of this cave feeling uh, this circular object clutched in your fist. Is, is, is it shiny? You think it's shiny, but, but panic and adrenaline is overwhelming your desire to stop and make an appraise check. Fair enough. Cassander. Uh, Dane has given us a, a rousing speech again, which is apparently his job in this campaign, and is running away from you. What are you doing? I'm going to uh, yell yell to Army just in case she needs any more encouragement and say, Invarn Kovar would not want you to fall this day. And I'm going to uh, kind of throw my, throw my spear on my back and uh, take off with all my elvish speed after my friend Dane. Okay, so you dash out of the cave as well. Dane has a head start, uh, but you are catching up quickly. Mm -hmm. As you are running out, you had not been gathering treasure. You'd been taking notes. You'd been looking for that one cool find, that Mm -hmm. one really important thing. And oddly, as you are running, your attention is drawn to the side, and you realize that is the one thing. It is right there. It's right in front of you. Again, almost instinctually, you reach out your hand and grab it as you are running. Mm-hmm. You feel it clutched in your fist as you are dashing into the jungle away from this monster. Yep. Arami, what are you doing? So it's it's like really rare that Arami can just hit something as hard as she wants. You know, kind of going back to like even the goblin. You know, I I hit people a lot, but not to hurt them, really. You know, just attitude corrections, right? So there's something kind of invigorating about the idea that I can hit this thing as hard as I want to. So I'm going to remain kind of defiant, and I'm actually going to, like, lecture Dane and be like, Iron 17-1 doesn't stay. And I'm just kind of giving you the, the business about what this actually says. And I'm going to haul off, and I'm going to hit this thing absolutely as hard as I possibly can. And I like to think that it, it like catches the creature right in the side of its leg, like in the calf area. And the creature doesn't even, doesn't notice, doesn't even really react to it. But then all those mouths that are on it just sort of like grab onto my cudgel and almost bite it in half. And I'm sort of like, oh wait, no, 17, yeah, that does say that. And I'm going to get the F out of there. Okay, so that definitely happens. You're You're running away with, Basically, the remnants of your cudgel with a giant bite mark taken out of it. In one hand, you are trying to follow your friends as quickly as you are able. You had not been paying attention to any treasure up to this point. The massive amount of wealth just completely overwhelmed you. You're used to dealing with small coins. Just seeing so much was almost paralyzing. But as you are running out, out of the corner of your eye, a a small thing just catches your attention and you're obsessed with having it. You you have to have it. Luckily, it's right next to you. 
So as you are running, you can kind of bend down, pick it up in your other hand, and just run with it, clutched in your fist. Then I will do that. So all three of you are dashing out of this cave into the jungle. This thing behind you, you hear it bellowing and roaring and pounding into the ground. It is chasing you. It is pushing through the cave, knocking the walls out of the way. It is storming through the jungle. Trees are falling. The ground is rumbling. It's right there. You're ahead of it, but it is right on your ass. So you guys are are dashing through the jungle. You get back to the clearing where all these houses were. You don't even stop. Uh, You're running through this clearing. You're running back down the path that you were on before. You hear the the shatter and crunch of these little houses as this thing just stampedes over them. You get back to the beach. You suddenly have this shocking realization. The boat is stra- is beached. the The boat is is tipped over on the beach. What are we gonna do? And yet, when you get to the beach, the tide has come up. And the boat is actually floating. So you have to splash through the water. It's ankle deep and rising. So you're just stampeding through this water trying to get to the boat. The thing is right behind you. But you are able to get to the boat and miraculously get it to back away from the beach and head towards home. You, uh, you all flop down on the deck. You are exhausted, but you are on the boat. You're safe. You're, you're, you've turned around. Uh, you're heading back towards the reforged isles. So as the three of you are recovering there on the deck of the boat, you are each kind of replaying the events that just happened on the island, trying to understand, trying to come to terms with these very strange experiences you've had. And you each have a little flash of memory and you put your hand in your pocket or your satchel and you remember grabbing that item, the thing that had drawn your attention even while you were running for your life. Michael, tell me what Arami grabbed. So I, um, I scooped up what appears to be like a small bell, almost like you'd think like a you know, serving bell. Uh, but the uh, shell of it is this fiery red copper. And on the inside, the clapper, it looks to be like a skeletal finger bone with a metal stud. But as I sort of shake it, it doesn't actually make any noise. I can see that the clapper is striking the side, but there's no audible noise at all from it. Okay. And Scott, what did Dane pick up? Dane reaches into his, his pocket of his satchel and pulls out a... A, a very short, stubby, sort of a cylindrical object. It's it's made of brass. Looks very uh, copper-like in this uh, light and heat of the moment. It's uh, brass, and it has a crystal lens on each side. Uh, it's it's slightly tapered, so one side's a little bit bigger than the other. I peer through it, and and it's it seems, uh, although Dane is comfortable looking through spy glasses, uh, he's he's never seen one that looks quite like this. It's it's vaguely like a kaleidoscope, but but it's actually rather hard to see through uh, at present, and and Dane's not sure why. And Matthew, what did Cassander pick up? So uh, Cassander uh, was drawn to a whale's tooth that he saw in a pile, 
and uh, scooped it up and the whale tooth is carved very detailed of a scene of waves crashing over a beach but not like not gently kind of almost like in a destructive nature almost like a uh, a water overtaking the land type of scene so the three of you stand there sit there on the deck you're each holding the item that you found you're kind of puzzling over it you've been out to sea here for about 10 15 minutes as you've been recovering and suddenly you hear a rap rap thumping coming from the back of the boat it followed us oh god to arms oh jeez i draw my rapier and dagger and uh, stand ready to pierce the heart of the horrible beast fumbling with the metallic cylinder that i whipped out of my pants I'll grab my cudgel and and stand by your side. As you stand there prepared for who knows what is about to happen, the door to the aft cabin swings open, and a tall figure stumbles out, clutching the back of his head. He's groaning and, oh, what's, oh, what's going on? What's happening? Are we at sea? Oh. Hi, Captain. Uh, no, never mind the weapons. I, I put away my rapier. Uh, how, how are you feeling? It's, it's been a while. I, I saw that you uh, got into some drink. Yeah, that's it. Drink. I stroke my long, luscious blue beard. <laughs> Captain Gurmudgeon's eyes come up from the deck and try to focus on the person speaking, and his eyes are swimming a little bit, and he shakes his head trying to clear it and he goes Dane is that you yeah yeah remember uh before that drink got you we were going to take your ship out and have a lovely day fishing welcome to the lovely day we survived oh I I have a feeling that things went a little bit different than you're saying there uh mostly I, I glanced tentatively at my companions yeah, it mostly went differently than you're saying. <laughs> well, uh, are where are we? Are are we out to sea? Where did wait? He's and at this point he's looking around. His his senses have come back to him, and he's actually uh, standing at the at the edge of the ship, and he's looking and he says, "What? How did we get out here? Where are we? This isn't good fishing water." No, but it's good pygmy hunting water on the island. He turns and, and casts a glance at you. What what island? What pygmies? There, there's no land around here. They're, they're, it's right there. Uh, we like all point. So the direction that Arami points is completely empty sea. There is no island. There's no beach. There's no jungle. There's no giant monster thing. How fast are we going? Huh, I say. Uh, well, this must be the third strangest thing that's ever happened to me while fishing. The third? This is the third strangest thing? Oh, I haven't told you about that mermaid I caught? Okay. Crazy story. Okay, okay, Dane. Captain, there was an island just there, not two clicks away from us. And that's where we came from. In fact, I have uh, proof right here of a... Um, I have a... Uh, di- 
Cassander reaches into his pouch to try to find the whale tooth to show Captain Grimudgeon. But Matthew, your pockets are empty. There is no item that you can find. Dane, give me back my scrimshaw. Oh, I, I, I didn't take it. I uh, fish around in my pockets to uh, empty them as evidence. And uh, they're surprisingly empty. I'm unable to whip out my metallic cylinder as I did before. That is correct. So the ca- Captain Grimudgeon is staring at you both with kind of a, a puzzled look when he glances over at RME. I was holding mine the whole time, so I just sort of hold out my hand and then I open it, and it's empty. It is empty. Uh, Captain Grimudgeon gives you each a, a glance. So you took my boat to an island, and... That island is now gone. And you each had uh, a piece of treasure that is now gone. Now, when, when you put it like that, it sounds crazy. But it's not just the heat stroke. I'm sure there's magic involved. Magical pygmies. Can you tell me anything else about this island? And he makes air quotes. Because air quotes totally exist in Dungeons & Dragons. Of course they do. You, you just made them. <laughs> There was a giant monster and piles of gold. It was like a fairy tale. When Arami mentions a monster and a hoard of treasure, a flash of recognition plays across the captain's face, but he immediately shakes it away. Hmm. Monster and treasure. I... All right, I believe you guys. You definitely saw an island. How about we get back home and we uh, we have a meal at the Sphinx to recover? And he has this uh, look about his face where he is uh, kind of trying to just pass it off that he doesn't believe you guys at all. We all made the insight checks to know that he's bluffing reasonably. I didn't. I have no idea. <laughs> That's right. You don't make any inside checks. Auto fail. I auto fail all inside checks. It's it's, it's a good uh, it's it's a handy quality in a friend. I say, well, we've got no treasure, we've got no mermaids, we have no pygmy skin boots, but we have a good story and a fine weather ahead of us. Yes, let us return. I hope our island's still there. <laughs> so Captain Grimudgeon marshals you all about. He snaps some orders and commands the three of you to actually sail the boat properly. Uh, And within half an hour, uh, the reforged isles are in front of you, and the ship is pulling safely into Warhammer Bay. The four of you disembark, and you head back to the Sleeping Sphinx. Uh, The captain buys you a round. He buys you a meal. Uh, and you you sit on uh, you you sit there in the tavern eating and, and telling stories. The three of you try to convince him that it really happened. You're telling stories about the things you fought and the things you saw. And every time he's giving you this knowing nod, like okay, I get it. Yes, I believe your story. However, you you can't help but remember that when you were on his boat, he definitely acted like he knew what you were talking about for a split second. Plus, 
army's cudgel still has a uh, like a chunk taken out of it, right? Yes, it does. We, we couldn't have dreamed all of that. That's true. And as Dane is finishing his story, the three of you are at your regular table in the Sphinx. It is the same night as it was before. The party is starting to wind down a little bit, but it is still a uh, happening evening there in the tavern when suddenly the door slams open. It is raining outside. Uh, thunder is cracking, and there is a dramatic bolt of lightning. Uh, the flash illuminates a soul figure standing there. This is Priestess Veralux. Everyone recognizes her immediately. The tavern becomes dead quiet almost instantly as everyone sees her. She stands there for a moment. She is clearly out of breath. She is soaking wet from the storm. She takes one step into the Sphinx, looks around, and says, The children are missing. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.